Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. We'll read just one verse, but I will be commenting on the several other verses within this particular chapter. You might like to keep your Bible open and uh, look at those verses as I call your attention to them. The title of the message this morning is A Divorcee Meets the Master. I simply use that title because that was the condition of the person about whom we will be talking as she met the Lord, but I only want to use her as a symbol or an illustration or perhaps a sign of uh, all of us, as we perhaps at some point in our life can relate to the Lord. While you're finding that passage of scripture, I want to thank, I'm not sure who all did the decorating, uh, but uh, I know that Betty and Vernabel were here yesterday afternoon decorating the windows, and Betty, if I understood right, you made the uh, major thing, is that correct? That's, uh, that's a tremendous piece. You've done a good job on that. We appreciate your sharing it with us and all the decoration that was done here in front and in the windows. Thank you for whoever else helped in that. The 29th verse of the fourth chapter of John, the lady of whom we are talking, has gone back to her hometown and has made this statement to the men of that particular city of Sychar. Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? I think as we look at this passage of Scripture, We should rather zero in on Jesus rather than the woman and see in him a view of his character. The type of person that he actually was while upon earth, and of course still is, as he was God in the flesh, therefore we can see that The relationship that he had with this particular woman is the relationship that God desires to have with all people. We need to look at it in in those terms. I think we could look at her and say that she probably was a woman whose life was messed up. And I can quickly begin to relate to her When I realized those times in my own life that I would have to say I simply was messed up. Maybe you can recall back in your life to a time far distant or not so far distant or maybe even right now when you would have to say my life is plainly messed up. It just isn't what it ought to be or what I want it to be. But that's the facts. Most of you know I work in Logan, and one of the things that I have to do each day from my car to the 
office is running the gauntlet, which means that I must make my way through a mess of kids who are all over the street. Sometimes I have to walk out into the roadway to get around because they're not going to move. And I have mixed emotions when I come upon that scene nearly every day. The first emotion I have as I look at that group, I think, boy, if this is the future of this world, we're in a mess. <clears throat> because they look a mess. Uh, I suppose you can sort of replace me by uh, some of my comments, but... Uh, uh, earrings and boys' ears just don't get it with me. But I, I see it all the time. The language that I hear is atrocious. The whole thing is, is discouraging. And I think that here is a group of young people whose lives are a mess. And I'm discouraged. And then I go over to the high school and speak to a group of 75 young people on a, on a noon hour who took their noon hour to come to a church service. And I was speaking, 75 thereabouts, and I asked them how many were Christian, and nearly everyone held up their hand. They claimed the Lord Jesus as the Savior. And as I meet some of those kids along the street, and they smile and speak to me, and I, to me, and I remember they were in that group on that day, and I didn't hear those kids with the foul language, and they present themselves well. And I watch the Christmas parade and and the various other things that happen, and I see clean cut well-dressed kids, and one of the floats was a float from the high school depicting Christ as the Savior, and their nice, clean-cut kids, smiles on their faces, and not encouraged, because maybe the world isn't in such a mess after all, and I see that scene. So we have the mixed emotions, but this, this girl, this lady, was a mess, been married seven times. She now was living with somebody that, that wasn't her husband. That's not the importance of this particular scene, but let us get the background. Jesus and his disciples were in Judea, around Jerusalem, and he wanted to go to Galilee, which was in the north, but in between Galilee in the north and Judea in the south, was a middle section called Samaria. In Samaria lived all the half-breeds, half-Jew and half-something else, the messed up people that nobody wanted. No Jew would have anything to do with these messed up people who became that way because the, the righteous Jew rejected them over the years. I'll not relate all that story. But it was, it was a, a, an area in which the messed up people lived that nobody wanted to associate with, who thought if that's what the world's like, it's gone downhill fast. 
But then the Jew would go all the way out of the country and go up the other side of the river to come back into Galilee or reverse to go back into Judea because they did not want to go through this area where all the people who, who were the rejects of society were living. But the scripture says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria on his way from Judea to Galilee. He went through the messed up people. I had a conversation with one of them. He sat down on a well curve at noontime, 12 o'clock. And off a little distance from that well was a little town called Sychar. His disciples went into Sychar, you'll find that word in the fifth verse, to buy some food. And while they were in there buying food, this woman comes out of the city at noontime for the purpose of drawing water at the well. Evidently, she was such an outcast that she could not draw water with the rest of the people of the town. And so she came at the time that evidently there would be nobody there, which was noontime, because at noontime, everybody was taking their siesta. She's surprised, perhaps, to find that there's a man sitting on the well curb, and as she starts drawing water, he says to her, give me a drink. He was very much surprised and said to him, are you a Jew asking me, a woman of Samaria, a drink of water? How surprising that was to The short of the story, Jesus said to her, if you knew who was talking with you, you'd ask him. And he would give you a drink of water that would make you never thirst again. If you knew who was talking, you would be doing the asking instead of him. You would be receiving instead of him if you knew. But she didn't know. You know how many things we don't know. When I was a child, they tell me, I don't remember this, that I ate burnt matchsticks. I chewed off all the burnt. I got all I could find and ate them. Any of you ever do that? Admit it. Come on, admit it. Anybody ever do that besides me? <laughs> all right, Drexel, I'll object to There's one admit. Drexel admitted he did it. Anybody else? Well, look at you. Now you're getting brave. Rest of, okay. I thought I was the only person in the whole world that ever did that. My parents got concerned. They tell me, and took me to a doctor. And told the doctor, that kid of ours, eat burnt matches. There's something wrong with him. The doctor's response, according to my mother, was that there was something lacking in my diet. Let him go ahead and eat it. Well, apparently they did, and apparently it didn't hurt anybody, because all of us who ate them are still alive. Here's my point. 
My parents knew there was something wrong. The doctor knew what it was. I didn't care. I just ate the matchsticks. I didn't know that I was missing something in my diet. I just knew that those matchsticks tasted good. And I ate them. Not because I wanted to overcome a diet deficiency, because I liked them. I didn't know what caused my problem. What I'm saying is, inside us there are urges that keep driving outward and outward, trying to be satisfied. And we're looking for something that will ease the craving within our body, but not just within our body, within our soul. If we knew that matchsticks would satisfy the craving, my parents would have given them to me. But nobody knew. I didn't know, and I didn't care. You see, there are large numbers of people who are really searching for something and they don't even know they're searching. They're going to try this, that, and something else for the purpose of bringing a satisfaction that they don't know they want, to satisfy a need that they don't know they have. And what do they do? Chew on matchsticks instead of really getting that which will satisfy their needs. Go to the well and draw water day after day after day to satisfy the need of a heart, and the water doesn't satisfy. It takes care of the body. There's not the problem. The problem is a thirst of the soul. And Jesus said, had you known who was talking with you, you would have asked him, he would have given you living water that would satisfy. You would never thirst again. She didn't know that she was thirsting. She thought all she needed was water, water for the body. I didn't know that she needed water for the soul. This is the problem. Craving something. What was she looking for? We can't do more than speculate. She may have been looking for acceptance, for someone to love her, for a position in the community. But above all, she had a longing in her soul that kept her from, from being totally happy and satisfied. And in their conversation, Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water here in this well, he'll get thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, neither will they come here to drown. And the woman said, I want that, I want that. And Jesus said, all right, go, go call your husband come and we'll talk. She said, I, I, I don't have one. She said, yes, I know that. You don't have one. You've had seven, and now you're living with somebody that's not your husband. Jesus already knew that. You see, we try to hide our 
real self from everybody. There's not a one of us that really knows the other in this room. Even you husbands and wives don't know each other very well. There are those secret things that you never, you never told. Charlie, I know you've never told Eloise everything about your life. If you did, you lied. <laughs> I'll pick on him this morning since his buddies are all here. Isn't that true? We all have our own little secret corners where we have tried to hide from our friends and our neighbors and the church and the preacher and our wives and husbands. We haven't told those real things, those secrets that we don't want anybody to know about, but the Lord Jesus already knows. There's the point. He already knows. She tries to change the subject, apparently, and this could be speculated as to what her intentions were, but she turns his attention instead of talking about her to say, I perceive, sir, that you are a prophet. Well, I have pretty good perception for he was more than that, but that's all she could perceive. And then she asked him a question about worship. She said to him, our people say that we ought to worship here in this mountain, which was often listened by Gerizim. But you Jews say you ought to worship in Jerusalem. Now really, what's right? You know how many times people start getting off on tangents? Right after Bible school, or during Bible school maybe it was, a couple of teenagers wanted to see me, and we went back in the study, and we sat there and we talked, because they had a desire to, at least that was my understanding, to talk about being saved. But you know, what I got time after time, I don't understand how that whale swallowed Jonah. I don't know where Cain got his wife. I can't figure out this, and I can't figure out that. Listen, I can't either. There are lots of unknowns to me in the Scripture, and if, if a person studied his entire lifetime, from his birth till his death, he has only begun to skim the surface, because that's God's Word. It's deeper than man's capability to comprehend. <coughs> Someone said, and I've forgotten right now who, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me, it's the things that I do understand that bother me. If we're concentrating on those things that we do understand, let them bother us, it will start creating a craving for that something that's unknown. And we'll begin finally to respond to the Lord. There's where she was. You know, why all of these differences in churches? Why the Baptists, as we're going to this morning, take somebody down in a tub of water and dump them under? Say, that's baptism. And somebody else just sprinkles a little bit of water on top of them. They say, that's baptism. Some others just pour a little bit on say, that's baptism. There's no use worrying about those things until we have solved the real big issue and that is, has the craving that you don't know you have in the depths of your soul been satisfied in the only person that can give you satisfaction? 
which is Jesus Christ. There's the beginning point. That's where we've got to start. Not somewhere else on some tangent that we might discuss and, and uh, fuss about and read about for long periods of, of time. People want to say, I'm going to straighten up my life, and when I get it straightened up, then I'm going to become a Christian, I'm going to be baptized, I'm going to join the church, and all those things. Listen, that's the wrong starting point. The wrong starting point. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as one Savior, and He'll help you straighten up your life. Those people who want to straighten up their lives on their own never get them straightened up. There are too many of us, and myself included, who think that we've got enough power, we can handle it ourselves. Whenever we think we're going to handle our problems ourselves, we're doomed for failure. Our life is bigger than ourselves. Our problems are insurmountable unless we have assistance from the person who can fully satisfy all the needs and cravings of our life, that which we don't even know we need. Only until we reach that point are we going to have victory over the problems of life. Don't expect that you're going to straighten up your life and then things will be fine. If you're not a Christian, you ought to become one. Acknowledge your sin. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and paid the, the price, the penalty of death in order that you and I might live. When you believe that, there's the beginning point. Give yourself to Him. And all other things then will begin to, to fall into place. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. There may be no tomorrow. Only today can a person be saved. You cannot be saved an hour ago. You cannot be saved an hour from now. You can only be saved in the now. We're never even assured that this service will end with all of us being alive. And every once in a while I hear of a service and one of uh, my preacher friends died in the pulpit while he was preaching. He dropped over dead. It does happen. I have known it to happen in the pew. Before the service was over, somebody went out on a gurney. It does happen. We have no assurance of the next moment. She met somebody who could give her something that she needed that was not found in her husbands and in her families and in her friends and in her uh, uh, normal way of life. She found it only in Jesus Christ. And when she had made this contact, she left Jesus and went back into town. And instead of being now afraid of all the people in town, she went and gathered all the men around and said, Come and see the person that told me everything I'd ever done. And they came flocking out of that town to the, to the well in order to meet Jesus. One of the things that we who are Christian, I hope you will agree with this, we have discovered that once we became a Christian, once we got a dose of this water, 
We want other people to have the same dose. There is a, something about it that makes us want to be sure that everybody else has it too. And that's where we are right now. We're going to close the service with a hymn. And as we are going to sing that hymn, we're going to extend the invitation. Misty is, where are you, Misty? There you are. Misty's going to come up this morning. This decision's already been made in her life. She's accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. She and I have had a conversation in my study. She's going to come up and say to you by her coming, I've accepted Christ and I'm going to you to receive me for baptism. Presuming that you're going to do that, and I'm sure you are. Uh, real quickly, Missy and I are going to go get ready for baptism. And Danny's going to go ahead and lead us in song. But we're going to sing one verse uh, first. During that one verse, if you are not a Christian, and you want to become one, you want to declare your faith in Jesus Christ. You want to have a drink of water that will never let you thirst again for eternal salvation. When I ask you to get out of your seat without hesitation, come on up front and meet me up here. If you need to rededicate your life, if you want to become a member of this church by any of the ways that we receive members, you've got a decision that you want to make. You feel it in your heart and soul that you've got to do it. I want you to do it during the first verse. Will you do it? Then uh, you'll go ahead singing while uh, Misty and I go get ready for the baptizing. Let us pray just a moment. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.